Amen. Now, just say hello to somebody and then be seated. Hello. Hello. Good to see you. Hello there. Good to see you out there. All right. It is wonderful to gather with God's people. And I believe, according to the Scriptures, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together makes church essential. I believe worship is essential. And I know that people can worship individually, and we're supposed to worship in spirit and in truth every single day. What we do, what we say, how we, how we live, our relationships should reflect uh, our relationship with the Lord and our service for our Lord and Savior. Good to see uh, everybody here today. Uh, we've got folks that are coming in, others that are traveling through. I'm so glad that you've come if you are a first-time guest, we have a packet of material, and um, so we want to make sure our first-time guests get a packet of material. Thank you for being with us. Good to have folks back again, but you're not guests. You belong here. You're one of us, all right? So there you go. Amen. I like that big, come on, give me a big smile. Big smile. There we go. That's good. All right. Amen. Everybody else, give a big smile now. Come on. Whether you got one or not, give it to me. Come on. There we go. There we go. Isn't it good to be alive? Isn't it good to be saved and on our way to heaven? Amen. And while we're here, God didn't leave us without a purpose. I have a purpose. You have a purpose. And God shows us through His Word what that purpose is. Today we're going to look into it a little more closely. Let me say, we do have a bulletin available. They're in the back if you want to get up and get one, or if we have an usher that can serve you with one if you need one. If you can't get up, uh, if, you, if you put your arm up, uh, your hand up, somebody will serve you with the bulletin, and it's got uh, all that's going on around here. It's some wonderful things that have been placed in that bulletin, but also I want you to look at this sheet right here, this sheet right here. All right, so if anybody needs a bulletin, just put your hand up and... Our ushers are going to serve you right now with one. Otherwise, you on live stream, if you tap the right button, you're going to get a digital copy, all right? But the insert, I don't know if that's digitally copied or not. It's uh, Dear Church Family, you have a tremendous heart for the work of the Lord and for missions. I want to say amen to that. Everybody needs to, between now and Christmas, walk down that Hall of Heroes where 150 missionary, missionary family members and projects are represented. Thank you to all of our missions committee. Thank you to Ed and Cheryl Jenkins and those that have gone before uh, that have worked on that wall. Thank God. Uh, thank God for the Munzerts. Thank God for Wally and Suki, others that have worked on that wall. Praise the Lord for all of you. Uh, Candies have put up some of them as well. I want you to go down that wall and pause just a second and pray for so-and-so's in such-and-such a place serving at Christmas. Gabe, you know what it's like to be thousands of miles from home on Christmas. And it's not easy, is it? But God gives us grace. And so our part of that equation is to pray for them. God forbid that we should sin in failing to pray, in, in not praying for those missions. I want you to go down there. Now you can come to church early. Come a little early and spend some time uh, praying for those missionaries. We can give you more information about their field and what it is that they're doing on the mission field, what their challenges are, what their needs are. Uh, just two weeks ago in our uh, meeting as we met for our finance committee, it was pointed out that we had some some money that we had raised in our six projects so far during the, this time of restrictions. We've, we've raised, not only have we paid all of our missionaries on time and ahead, but we've raised six large projects, praise the Lord. We had some leftover funds from that, which was exactly the amount that the Zicks needed in their fair ministry. And we voted to give that money because that's, that's ours to do. To, to the Zix because they needed it right then, and they're back on the road. Can I get an amen? amen. And uh, Brother Bert and Sister Bertie, I, I know you Bert is Skip, but uh, Bert and Bertie Zick, 
God bless you. Every tract you pass out, every soul you win to Jesus Christ in the fair ministry from coast to coast because you're on the road now supplemented by the goodness of God's people in this church. Uh, guess what? There's a star in the ground. Amen. There is a, a blessing to be had. Praise the Lord for that. You pray for these missionaries. Go up and down that wall. Pray for those missionaries. Do not, please, do not single out the preacher or the preacher's family. We want everything to go to missions. We want everything to go to others. Are you listening to me? I don't want you to include us in that. I want you to give to those missionaries. I want you to give generously. We have special offering envelopes. Give a Christmas gift to Jesus, and that takes care of some discretionary giving uh, as we have projects arising. It all is covered there in that insert. You that are watching by live stream, I know you're coming up to the end of the year, and some of you have a good problem. That good problem is you've got to find some place to give some of God's money. Praise God. Haven't missed a bill, but we can, listen, every bit of it, every penny of it will be invested in the work of the Lord. On the way out today, make sure you pick up a copy or two of Days of Praise. Absolutely free. We never charge for it. A little devotional aid. And we have the new Acts and Facts for the month of December. And something about uh, jellyfish there. Okay. All right. On the cover. All right. So I hope that you'll take some time uh, on that. We believe in biblical creation. All of this is good. Now, when we finish up today, I want you to come down here to the front at the end of the service, and we have the annual Christmas card that's going out to the missionaries. I know there are some mailing restrictions some places in the world. We'll have to email a copy to those missionaries. But all of our missionaries are going to get our Christmas card with your signature on it, with your, with your autograph. So put your name there. Don't write a paragraph. Don't write an epistle. We've got a letter for that reason. Put your names on there. Leave room for everybody else. And uh, I hope you'll do that after the service. Can I get an amen on that? Amen. Praise the Lord. We're on the Lord's side. Exodus chapter 32. Exodus chapter 32. Here's what's happened. Moses has gone up the mountain to meet with the Lord and get the Ten Commandments. I, I love the Ten Commandments. They are God's statements that uh, are still good. Still good for us. I love it when there are communities that still have the Ten Commandments on the courthouse lawn or someplace in a public view. And if I were in charge of schools everywhere, I would require students to memorize the Ten Commandments, not as religious instruction, but for moral guidance. And we would be better off as a nation if we all knew the Ten Commandments. People will tell you, I'm, I'm trying to keep the Ten Commandments. And then very nicely we, we have to follow up with, the, well, give me two or three of them. And most people are hard-pressed to give you two or three even of the Ten Commandments. But Moses has gone up the mountain to get the Ten Commandments and he comes down off the mountain and he discovers that all the people with Aaron in the midst of them have raised up a golden calf. Why a golden calf? Well, first of all, they could see it. And they couldn't see God. The Bible says God is a spirit and they that worship Him worship Him in spirit and in truth. We see the result of God's hand in our life. Anybody here who doesn't realize that there is a God is, uh, is just ignoring everything that is obvious. God's fingerprints are all over the creation. And you have to be taught not to believe in God to be an agnostic or an atheist. That, that, that comes with the model. When, when, we, when, we, when we come into this world, we have a consciousness of God built into us. We are aware that there is such a being, a supreme being, somebody who is bigger than, than we are. Now, we don't know the specifics until we get into the Word of God and we see that embodied in Jesus Christ. Jesus is God in a body. Jesus is very God. But we know that there is a God. We know the fact that there is a God. Well, the, uh, the people today uh, have willfully and deliberately rejected His revelation, His truth. And that's why we're having a hard time uh, through the school system and in the public arena and, and now various pu uh, public uh, societal and political factions 
have declared themselves to either be anti-God, anti-Christ, anti-Christian, anti-ethical, anti-moral, anti-absolute truth. We have a problem with that. We have to go back to the beginnings. And one of these days, as we have opportunity, we're going we're gonna to open up the bus ministry and the one-on-one ministries when it's, when it's, you know, the green light's given to us. We're going to do that. And we're going to do it. We are going to do it times 10, times 20. Bigger and better than it's ever been. More people. Why? Because people are dying and going out into eternity without Jesus Christ. It is a tragedy that people have died with the COVID virus in them. That is a tragedy. What is a worse tragedy is they have blocked me from going in hospitals. I can't go in a hospital. I can't go in a place that's quarantined. And you say, well, that's only for safety. Do I look like I'm at risk? Do I act like I'm sick? Listen to me. I'm telling you right now, the greater tragedy than those people dying with COVID in their system is that many of them have died without Jesus Christ. And that is a tragedy. Say, oh, preacher, you're going to get in trouble saying that. Well, I'm in good company. Jesus, John the Baptist, Old Testament prophets, the Apostle Paul, the disciples, I'm in good company. We are not going to surrender our God-given mission to reach this lost and dying world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. God wants us to reach them. Pray for the missions, missionaries, give. God bless you. Let's not be ashamed of the truth. And Moses came down and they had an idol made out of gold. It was a golden calf. And uh, Moses loses it, breaks the Ten Commandments, breaks the tablets. says, how did this happen? Aaron left you in charge. He said, I don't know. They threw their gold into the fire and out came a calf. Liar, liar, pants on fire. Don't we make excuses? Don't we fail to fess up? Yeah, he was right in the midst of it. Either he was a coward or he tried to be neutral. And Moses lays it out eventually. He realizes that the problem isn't just the making of a golden calf. Now the golden calf, why a calf? Because one of the great of many gods, but one of the great gods of Egypt, where they had just come from as slaves, was the god Osiris, the bull. And the natural enemy, any farmers here, the natural enemy of the bull is the calf. Did you know that? So I thought it was the wolf, or I thought it was the, you know, some other thing. No, the natural enemy of the bull is the calf, and the calf is the enemy of the bull. That, there's an animosity there between the two of them. So it was natural for them to make a false deity out of a golden calf and to worship it and say, this is what brought us out of Egypt, and this gets all the credit. The problem was not that they made that golden calf. They did. That was wrong. The problem was they were wrong in their heart. If today there is a problem with this, it may be that we're doing some wrong things with our hands, with our feet, with our, with our life, with our outward expression. But where we have to go is to the root of the tree, and it's in the heart where sin is conceived. It's in the heart where our priorities are messed up, where Jesus Christ becomes an asterisk or a footnote or an afterthought. Jesus Christ does not deserve to be an asterisk or a footnote or an afterthought. Jesus Christ deserves to sit center stage on the throne of your life and mine. Can I get an amen? Absolutely. So, <clears throat> when this happens, Moses is going to take some very severe steps that I want you to understand. Nobody ever wants to as a leader, but we'll do it if we have to. And it says in verse 26 of Exodus 32, Then Moses stood in the gate of the camp and said, Say it with me, Who is on the Lord's side? Who is on the Lord's side? 
identify yourself. Let him come unto me. And all the sons of Levi gathered themselves together unto him. And he said unto them, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Put every man his sword by his side, and go in and out from gate to gate throughout the camp, and slay every man his brother, and every man his companion, and every man his neighbor. And the children of Levi did according to the word of Moses, and there fell of the people that day about three thousand men." For Moses had said, Consecrate yourselves today to the Lord, even every man upon his son and upon his brother, that he may bestow upon you a blessing this day. That is severe. I'm confessing to you right now as a preacher, as a person who believes the Bible literally, that is severe. I am so thankful that we are living in a day of grace. I'm glad we're in the church age. And so... Any resemblance to this scene is, you know, what we do uh, spiritually. We don't go around, we don't kill anybody. We're not Old Testament economy, you know, take your sword and kill your neighbor. We don't do that. We don't believe in that. Jesus Christ has made it clear to us that's not the program now for us. But that was a serious time requiring a serious step on their part and requiring total commitment, total commitment, who is on the Lord's side. Today I would say even though the application is very different, the commitment requirement is still the same. God doesn't want half-hearted commitment. He wants people who from the heart want what God has for them. They're willing to submit and serve. And that submission, that service doesn't require us to physically harm anybody. But it does require us to take uh, an unashamed stand for the things that we know are right. That is, there is absolute right. If you've been taught in an ethics class somewhere that mm, sometimes it's in the gray area, I'm here to tell you you've been taught wrong. And I don't know what the qualifications of the teacher or the textbook writer or the lec you know, whoever prepared the lessons, but I'll tell you this, they're not as qualified as God. Right is always right. Wrong is always wrong. The truth is always true. Error is always error. Get that down. Teach your children that. Teach your grandchildren that. It is never right to violate God's law. It is never right to do your own thing because you felt it because you had an opinion, because somebody else did wrong, somebody else did it, or the philosophy is, or society's going a certain direction. Society is going to hell right now. People need Jesus. They don't need half-hearted commitment. They need whole-hearted commitment. And I want to pray that what I'm going to say to you next, in the next few minutes, will sink deep into your heart, and you'll, you'll come to the front at the end and say, Who's on the Lord's side? You can count on me. You can count on me. Now talk is cheap. Do you remember in the 13th chapter of the gospel according to John? Do you remember what Peter said? Remember how he said he would never let the Lord down? And at the end of that chapter, after all that teaching, in the midst of what the Lord was trying to do to prepare his disciples for his departure, he had this this little exchange between himself and Simon Peter. And he told him, you're going to deny me. You, you say right now in the, in the moment that you're going to be the one that won't, won't ever let me down. That's not true. We read in Matthew's Gospel when they came to the garden and they found Jesus and, and he was identified. Uh, Peter picked up that sword. Now, he was not a swordsman. And he lopped off the ear of the high priest's servant. Jesus said, put up your sword. You know, he didn't say it, but I'm reading between the lines. He was probably thinking, you're not very good with that thing. If you were trying to cut that guy's head off, you just got his ear, man. You just grazed him. Jesus picked up the ear, put it on the side of that servant's face, and healed him and restored him. If I were in the temple guard with all those that were there to take Jesus... I would have suddenly resigned my commission because we're dealing with God in a body. 
But Jesus voluntarily went. And what, what does the Bible say about those brave disciples? They all forsook him and fled. I realize this is before Pentecost. I realize this is before John chapter 20 where he breathes on them and they receive the Holy Spirit. I understand that. But they had said one thing and they did something else. Talk is cheap. Action, that's something else. And it's the, it's the Holy Spirit that enables us to be full of faith. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. I got my hands on the Word of God right here. You've got a copy of the Word of God in your lap right now. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And when I am full of faith, that is the wherewithal that the Holy Spirit energizes for me to be faithful. When I'm full of faith, I can be faithful. Marines, got any Marines here? Come on. Come on, Marines. All right. Semper Fi. Semper Fidelis. That's it. Always faithful. Faithful to the core. God, country, family. I know, I know the code. I know what it is. I know how important it is. That's ingrained. You went through some brutal basic training to have some things removed and some, and some room made for some things that would last, didn't you? Yes. And the things that have lasted are the things of importance. Being faithful, being committed. And I, I would say the same for all the branches of the service. Thank God for our servicemen and women. Thank God for our uh, law enforcement, our first responders, running into burning buildings to save somebody else's mom or dad and maybe losing their own life in the process. Faithful. I'm glad there's some people in this world like that. Doctors and nurses dealing with infectious disease. Helping somebody to survive and maybe themselves being so exposed so many times and their immune system being compromised that they succumb. That's called consecration. That's called dedication. When those Levites took up the sword, they realized it might not be the most pleasant thing they ever did in their life, but it was something they needed to do. They were told to do it, and they did it. And when they did it, the Bible declares the consecration was the key. Consecrate yourselves today to the Lord. Consecrate yourselves today to the Lord. Choices have to be made. Difficult choices. Let's pray. Father, I ask now that you'll help me in the next few minutes as I talk about loyalty, as I talk about faithfulness, that somebody here is going to make a sharp right turn. Somebody here is going to determine to dedicate and reconsecrate. I pray that you'll help us. And we'll thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Somebody says, I'm a, <clears throat> I'm a loyal fan of the such and such franchise. Loyal fan. And I don't know that if that's because they adopted that team or they like the colors of the team or they're like some people and they wait to see who's going to have a winning season or if they hang in there no matter what. Uh, what is now called the Washington Football Club. For years, I mean, for years, had a long-suffering fan base. For years. I mean, through thick and thin. There were probably two or three winning periods of time. Under Joe Gibbs, um, maybe, maybe the last glimmer uh, a few years back. But it's been a time of long-suffering. It's been a time of long-suffering. Even though there were some bright spots along the way, for a person to be a fan of that team through all the years, all the ups and downs and mostly downs, it took faithfulness. You remember Bill Hovey? Bill Hovey was a die-hard fan from before the Washington Football Club's predecessor moved down from, what was it, Boston or someplace in the old league days, came down from New England before there were New England Patriots, 
And he followed the team, and he would pay for uh, whatever it was on cable out in California to sit and watch them get slaughtered, beaten every which way. And yet he was faithful to the team. You've known, and maybe you have been, such a diehard fan. In that case, loyalty is not based upon all the perks and the benefits. There's a lot of pain involved in that loyalty. Somebody says, I'm a loyal family member, and you have a last name, and you would not think of changing your last name. I know some people who have changed their last name, but they're, they're loyal as I'm a loyal father, I'm a loyal mother, I'm a loyal spouse, I'm a lo loyal son or daughter, and they're loyal to the family, to the bloodlines and so forth, family members. There are those who are loyal to their calling, to their job. There are those who are loyal to their country or to their region of the country or to, to um, some uh, position or, or uh, maybe, maybe their loyalty is to conservative principles or maybe they're a liberal, I don't know, but they're loyal. Their loyalty is based on something that they consider to be important. I believe our loyalty needs to be based upon absolute truth. Make up your mind that somewhere in this universe there's something written down that's absolute truth. Jesus said, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Now I'm holding that right here in my hands. I don't believe that the absolute truth has some way or shape passed away and we have to, you know, we have to scratch around like an archaeologist and find a piece here and a piece there. I believe we have the whole 66 books of the inspired Word of God when we hold it in our hands right here. Are you with me? I believe every word of it's inspired and preserved. And we can, we can stand upon it. But we need to do more than, than like some pastors and churches, they'll strut and they'll wave it around and they'll say, King James Version, King James Version, which I believe, and then they never give you anything that's between the covers of it. So we want to give you what's between the covers of it today. Our loyalty should be based on the principles, on the words, in the Word of God, on the truth that is absolute and not upon our human relationships nor upon our uh, philosophical uh, stance or bent or upon, uh, and definitely not upon money. Never, 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 never make a life de decision based on money. How many of you know that's a big mistake? If you make a life decision based on money, you will more than half of the time regret it because it's not based upon something that will last. If there's anything in this world that's not going to last, it's money. Money is not a stable thing. Money is a great uh, revealer. Now, money's not evil, but the love of money is. The love of money will reveal what your character is. What you do about it reveals where you are spiritually and in other ways as well. So we need to be loyal to the Word of God. Put it down. Number two, we need to be loyal to the living Word, to Jesus Christ. So I'd be willing to die for Jesus. Well, amen. Are you willing to die daily and live for Jesus? Living for Jesus. That's it. That's the key. Letting Jesus live out of our life. Years ago, particularly in the late 1800s and then into the early 1900s, there was a movement known as the Keswick Movement. There's a town down by Charlottesville that's named Keswick, and we support a printing ministry down there in Keswick, Virginia. It's spelled like Keswick, but it's pronounced Keswick. Keswick. The Keswick Movement was kind of a precursor to the deeper life movement. I don't believe we should all become full-blown 24-7 mystics. But there is a very real sense in which we are spiritually at one with the Lord and we need to yield, submit to Him, and allow Him to live through us. That's what I'm talking about. We don't live like Christ by imitation, by rote. We live like Christ by yielding to the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Christ who lives out of our life every single day. We need to give back to God the territory that, that we in our selfish flesh have taken back. 
I made this decision yesterday. I decided this. I lost my temper. I said this ra in a rash way. I was, I was a little rough in this way. There's five areas I need to confess my sins. Those five things that I can remember, I need to confess those sins. And he's faithful and just to forgive me and to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. And now I pray for the fullness of the Spirit and I'm led by the Spirit so that I won't speak out of turn and I won't mistreat people and I won't go my own self-willed way and I won't get frustrated at a lot of frustrating people and things in this world. See, preacher, now you're preaching. Preach against those frustrating things. Now I'm preaching on those of us who get frustrated with the frustrating things. We need to respond as Jesus would. And that's not easy when we try to do it, when we try to get involved willful and deliberate and personal action rather than yielding to God in every way. Who is on the Lord's side? We not only are to be loyal to the Word of God, to the living Word, but also to the work of God. I'm talking about the local church. Jesus gave Himself for the church. He shed His blood for the church. Ephesians chapter 5. We also need to be loyal to the workers for the Lord. Others who are brothers and sisters in Christ. To that end, there is in the back of your hymnal the church membership covenant, and we, we don't, I don't think we've ever even looked at it, but we recently had our annual financial committee meeting, and a week from Wednesday we will have our annual business meeting. And once again, we will cast our votes for those who have been serving in the various offices of the church. We have deacons, and we have trustees, and we have committee men, and we have clerks, and they all serve very faithfully. Nobody gets a dollar for what they do. They get greatly blessed, but they serve faithfully, and they don't serve there because they like me. Now, they all like me. They love me more than I can tell you, but uh, no, nah, I'm, I'm just saying they don't serve because of me. They serve because of Jesus Christ. And when we read this church membership covenant, Having been led, we believe by the Spirit of God to receive the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior. And on the profession of our faith, having been baptized in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, we do now, in the presence of God, angels in this assembly, most solemnly and joyfully enter into covenant with one another as one body in Christ. That's the key. We need to be loyal to the Lord, to His Word, to Jesus Christ, to the work of God, and to workers for the Lord, because we're serving side by side, and faithfulness and loyalty is going to be enhanced because we are not uh, solitary individuals alone on our own, but rather we're part of something much greater, something much bigger. This, uh, this morning on today's daily devotional, it was a revisit. My wife uh, texted me right after it came on YouTube. And I was singing that, that song. It's catchy. I just stopped by on my way home. Can't stay very long. And that's, we're, we're passing through this world. We better make a difference because pretty soon we're going to be gone. It seems like I just blinked. It seems like yesterday we were just starting out in the ministry. Our kids were just coming along. We were just beginning to serve God. Now all those decades have passed. And I thank God for the great health He's given me. And part of it is His way of saying, I want you to go a little longer. I want you to go a little longer. How much longer, Lord? Are you breathing? I'm going to go. As long as I'm breathing, I'm going to go. Amen. Amen. I'll be true, precious Jesus. I'll be true. We're going to sing that later on in the service. I think about uh, the song, I don't know if it's in our hymnal, but Loyalty to Christ, E. Uh, Taylor Cassell wrote it. From over hill and plain, there comes a signal strain. Tis loyalty, loyalty, loyalty to Christ. Its music rolls along. The hills take up the song of loyalty, loyalty, yes, loyalty to Christ. Now, then it goes on to victory, on to victory, cries our great commander, on. We'll move at his command. We'll soon possess the land of loyalty, loyalty, Yes, loyalty to Christ. We sing those songs. We sing about having victory. But do we actually experience it? A lot of our response in allowing the Lord to have His way makes the difference. Our loyalty 
is not merely to family or to business or to country, but it's to Christ. I'm a better American because God has given me faith through the Word of God to believe in America. You understand what I'm saying? I'm, I'm, a be- I'm not what I ought to be as a husband, but I'm a better husband than I would have been because God has given me faith through the Word to be a better husband than I would have been otherwise. You see what I'm saying? It's all related to Christ. Everything that we need to be better at is because of our connection to Christ. That's it. I belong to Him. He belongs to me. Years ago, Dr. Roger Vogelin up in Fairhaven, Indiana, sent me this, uh, this little note on loyalty. It's not the most spiritual thing I've ever read in my life. I've got to tell you that. Now, I, I, really, I really love Dr. Vogelin. He, he really suffered for the cause of Christ. He went to jail for having a Christian school. Nothing wrong with Christian school, but they put him in jail for that. His people came and stood outside on Christmas, and he preached through the bars to them. It's not the deepest thing, as I said, but it is absolutely basic. And we've given these out in our ministry on several occasions, and it's up on the wall in the, in the choir room if you want to read it. It's entitled Loyalty. If you work for man in heaven's name, work for him, speak well of him, and stand by the institution he represents. Remember, an ounce of loyalty is worth a pound of cleverness. If you must growl, condemn, and internally find fault, resign your position, and when you are on the outside, gripe to your heart's content. But as long as you are a part of an institution, do not condemn it. If you do the first, the high wind, first high wind that comes along will blow you away, and probably you will never know why. I like that. Even though it is very homey and very basic, I got to say, that's the kind of spirit that needs to be displayed day by day, day in, day out, week in, week out, month in, month out. Thank God that you've hung in there. From the time we started years ago until now, some of you have hung in there. Some of you have come along and you've hung in there. One man left our church and gave us his reason. Uh, We're going a different direction. We're going a different direction. Now I happen to know that it's a personality thing, not with me, but with somebody else. And... uh, he told me just as much. It, this personality conflict grated on him so much. But he also thinks, and this is part of a contributing factor, and you've got to work on this, folks. I've got to work on it. He thinks that life is basically unfair. I, I believe that life is a blessing from God. I don't blame God that I was born. People who hate God or hate the fact that they were born a certain way and life isn't fair, are going to have a problem because they're going to see life through the wrong prism all the time. It is an honor to be alive. And I thanked my mother the last time I saw her before she went home to heaven. I thanked her for, for mom and dad giving me life. God using them to give me life. I thank God for eternal life. I thank God for new life in Christ. I thank God for new, fresh opportunities. I thank God for the abundant life. I don't believe life is unfair. Life is unfair, but I'm not looking at the rest of life through that prism. Okay, I'm not looking at it like everything's unfair. It's not fair. Who can I blame? You know, a country's unfair. Society's unfair. All those rich people. Unfair, 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 unfair. I also... Please, I do not look at you, your exterior, and judge you by your exterior. Please don't look at my exterior and judge me. Say, well, hmm, let's see, he's a Caucasian male. He's about X years old. Uh, He must be of this persuasion. He must have this prejudice. He must have this and that and the other. Please, don't do that. I don't do that to you. Don't do that to me. Don't tell me what you think I... I'm all about. You don't have any idea. I'm still struggling with it. You absolutely do not know who and what I am. God God knows who I am, and God's still working on me. So we can say I'm under construction. All right? You're under construction. Stop looking at people and judging them. Now, I know you're not. I mean, you're the the folks, the best in the world. But, But here's my point. This same person told me in March of this year, just before, just before the COVID thing broke out, he said, I got your back, preacher. I'll never leave you. We're not going to leave this church.
I like the spirit that says and does. Doesn't just say. I'm not perfect. You're not perfect. Your spouse is not perfect. Your family's not perfect. But you hang in there because of your connection to Christ. The reason you're still, still married is not because you've got a perfect spouse or you're the perfect spouse. Get over that. The reason you're hanging in there in whatever relationship and whatever, whatever responsibility is because you know God through Jesus Christ. And that connection makes us not quit. We don't give up. We don't back up. We don't retreat. We stand on the Word of God. I was so amazed in 1974 when they brought that Japanese soldier out of the jungle in the Philippines. You remember that? Hiro Onoda. He was a lieutenant in the Japanese Imperial Army. And he'd been fighting the war 29 years past the surrender of the Imperial Japanese. And they had to go get his former commanding officer and get him to try to button up his uniform and go in there and get him because he would not come out of the jungle. And his words when he came out was, I feel so disgraced that I didn't die for my country. You want to know something else? Sixty years after the close of the war, in the 21st century, they found two more. Two more. In their 80s. And they were fearful they would have to go back and be court-martialed. There were over ten like that we know of, and maybe hundreds more that were never discovered. They didn't die in combat, but they were willing to fight on. The war was over, and they didn't know it, but they were loyal. They were loyal, and they kept on. General Joshua said, Choose you this day whom ye will serve. Moses, after throwing down the golden calf idol, calls to the sons of Levi. He says, come to my side. Who's on the Lord's side? Come to my side. Strap on your sword. This is not fun business. This is not something that is light business. This is serious business. The testimony of the Lord is serious business. And I'm telling you now, thousands of years after that, thousands of years, we need to be on the Lord's side. We need to take this seriously. Seriously. There are all kinds of divisions in this world. We can divide people this way and that way. We can divide them by, by age, by gender, by race, by nationality, by language, by culture. But there's only two divisions that really matter. Are you saved and on the Lord's side? Or haven't you yet come to Jesus? That's it. We need to determine our spiritual and eternal loyalties and goals. We need to decide that there are absolute truths in the Word of God. We know there's a conflict. It's a conflict for the souls of mankind. We're not in the business of killing people physically. I know we have military. I know we have law enforcement. But I'm talking about our everyday Activities do not involve killing people, but we are still in a spiritual battle right now. And that battle is over absolutes. What must we do? Because there's a conflict, look, number one. Number two, we must consecrate ourselves. We must determine that no matter how many are with us or who's with us, we're with the Lord. No matter who's with you or who's with me, we decide to be with the Lord. Number three, that then puts us in the best kind of company. Gideon's 300 had it much better than the army that was destroyed by the Lord. Are you listening to me? You put on the colors, you identify with, you say, I'm a born-again believer. I'm a member of this Bible, blood-bought, Bible-believing church. I'm going to be part of this band. I'm going to serve, and I'm going to be full of faith that's energized by the Holy Spirit so Jesus can live out of my life, and I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to give up. They said to Mr. Lincoln, it sure is good that we're on the Lord's side. 
Mr. Lincoln said, that's not what I'm concerned about. I'm not concerned about that. Are we on the Lord's side inside? Are we on the Lord's side in things that matter eternally? The Lord on our side, that's great. Are we on the Lord's side? Have we committed? Are we committed to the Lord? Mr. Lincoln had had numerous opportunities and many things have been written about his lack of church, uh, church uh, membership. When he was shot on Friday night at Ford's Theater, he had every intention of being in church that Sunday. He had spoken with the pastor of that Presbyterian church. He had every intention of making his public profession and joining that church that Sunday. If Mr. Lincoln had a conversion experience, and I believe he did, it was on his knees during those bleak hours of the Civil War, the war between the states. When he looked to God. And I'm not talking about sectionalism. I'm not talking about north versus south. I'm not talking about the issues that came into it, the states' rights versus the slavery. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about one man's struggle. He came to God through Christ on his knees in the most trying time of his life. We have a trying time right now. And in this trying time, there is only one choice to be made. That is to be on the Lord's side. I choose to be on the Lord's side. I choose to be true, Lord Jesus. I'll be true. I choose not to turn back. I choose. And the Lord will energize the faith that comes through the Word of God that I might be able to be true to Him. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Every head bowed, every eye closed, and nobody looking. And how many today would say, Preacher, something in the message spoke to my heart. Slip your hand up high. Something spoke to my heart. Amen. All across the auditorium, hands raised. How many of you today would say, Preacher, as the Word of God has been preached, I realize there are some areas of my life that I need to commit or recommit. There are some venues in my life that need to be given wholeheartedly over to the Lord. I need to surrender to the Lord completely. If the Lord spoke to you about some area of your life, would you slip your hand up right now? Come on, all across the auditorium. Some areas of your life, yes. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you. In just a moment, we'll open up the invitation and ask you to step out from where you are and come to the front. If uh, you uh, have a decision to make, come and tell me. Otherwise, just come and pray. We invite you to do that. Uh, the altar will be open. The invitation will be open for that purpose. Right now, let me speak to those that may not know the Lord Jesus Christ as personal Savior. And I want you to know that online right now, the invitation is being offered for people to pray and receive Christ as Savior. If you've never done so, with head bowed and eyes closed, would you pray from your heart to God right now? Something like this, Dear God, I admit that I'm a sinner. I deserve to pay for my sins. I believe Jesus died to save me. And right now I receive the Lord Jesus Christ into my heart as my personal Savior. Please take away my sins and take me to heaven when I die. If you prayed that prayer and you meant it, would you slip your hand up right now? I prayed that prayer and I meant that. God bless you. Still clean.